I started this organization in 2007. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. At that time, a lot of people were looking for food pantries. And all the way till this day, 30 years later, it's worse now than ever before. And not because of the pandemic. The food prices are outrageous. So a lot of people are, they are depending on food pantries. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda-Salgado. At the pandemic's peak, thousands of New Yorkers got help from local food pantries. You probably remember seeing photos of hundreds of our neighbors standing in line with empty carts and bags. But now, two years later, the situation isn't all that different. While the photos may be less frequent, it doesn't mean the lines are any shorter. And beyond that, food pantries are struggling to help the many New Yorkers in need amid rising food prices. Some have even been forced to turn people away. I spoke to leaders at a few food pantries across the city, including Thomas Neve, the founder of Reaching Out Community Services, and Mary Holzman Tweed, a volunteer at the Astoria Food Pantry, about how they're dealing with the rising food prices and supply issues, and how New Yorkers can help their neighbors in need. Before we begin, a quick message. Did you know that Epicenter NYC members are invited to exclusive events and tours across New York City? Earlier this month, we hosted a behind-the-scenes tour of the Queen's Night Market. Here's what member Catherine Tam had to say about the experience. I ended up experiencing community in a whole new way. And I say that because, you know, my sister told me recently how she and her friends, they had tried to uh, visit the Queen's Night Market, but they weren't able to do so because the lineups were so long. But she, and until recently myself, uh, never knew why that was the case, other than that it was so popular. So by attending that behind-the-scenes tour with other members and also with the market's founder, we found out how popular that market has been since the beginning and how when my sister and her friends tried to visit the market, it turns out that was during the time when the lineups were so long that it ended up stretching nearly a mile all the way into the nearest subway station. And as the the founder told us, you know, uh, he nearly got in trouble with the authorities over that. But it's that type of, you know, neighborhood nuance. That's how you find out about, you know, what makes communities really tick and why this market and so many other you know, events and treasures in the city continue to be popular to this day. Now, back to the show. Thomas is the founder of Reaching Out Community Services. The organization is part of his lifelong mission to help his neighbors. But this year, he had to do something he's never done before, turn people away. My name is Thomas Neve. I happen to be the founder of this organization, which I started 30 years ago as a homeless outreach program. And from there on, it began to start a community food pantry because the need was obvious. Until this day, we provide other services other than food, um, right from, you know, helping people with uh, recertification for getting SNAP program, online education, free tax preparation, uh, nutritional classes. So we try to keep everything relevant to the low-income individual status. And uh, we have about maybe 12 or 13,000 registered families with the organization at this time. 
we uh, partnered with the Food Bank for New York City, City Harvest, United Way. We then work with whatever funding that we could secure on the site to purchase food items as well. Basically, that's you know what we're all about. Can you tell me a little bit more about what it was like during the pandemic? Well, I mean, listen, uh, we had to navigate so many changes, but along with probably everybody else, we were very fortunate that we didn't have to close the doors. Uh, we stood safe. We had to serve people on the outdoor process. So people will come, we will provide food with them, put them in the rolling baskets, bring it outside to them. And then we would continue to do that with other clients. And was there a change in people asking for food? Like around how many people were you serving at the peak pandemic? And what was it like before? Well, I mean, listen, most people that come to this organization, they do come reluctantly. You know, then you have people throughout the pandemic who became unemployed. They didn't have a job anymore. Um, they couldn't find ways to make ends meet. They had to depend on a food program. And again, reluctant uh, or not, they were still gratified by at least somebody who was there to help them. And again, it was quite challenging in a sense um, on both parts, but uh, we were successful in the operation. And around how many people were you guys serving, like in terms of numbers? I would say we had an additional three, three and a half thousand more families registered throughout that time. So three and a half thousand? More than the 12,000, whatever we had from the begin with. How is the food pantry now? Like, what kinds of people are you seeing now? And what are the items that they're looking for the most? Well, I mean, when it comes to food programs, food pantries, of course, it can't be all that choosy. But of course, you got to eat based on your dietary needs. So we don't just give you bags of food. Here you go. Everything is done on a digital. It's called a client choice digital program that we have designed and put together about eight years ago. So people will come and they will choose their foods that are available and the amount of it that's available for their choice. And till this day, we're doing the same thing. So people are just, they're excited to the point where you can, oh, I can choose this, I can choose that. Oh, I can't eat that, but oh, I can have that. So there's really a lack of waste and a better control, inventory control process as well. And have you noticed a decrease in the amount of families registered now? No, actually, we incorporated a decrease. There we have, still have a lot of people that want to come to receive food, but we are not able to handle it because we don't have the same resources no more. So because the resources have cut almost 50% and still maintaining those who are pre-registered, we no longer accept new clients because of that. If we do, we'll crash out the whole program because we're biting off more than we can chew or providing a service that we're not able to actually meet up to. And can you tell me a little bit more about like, what does it mean that your resources are decreasing? We're not getting the same food resources that we were receiving throughout the last two years. A lot of those programs have come to an end. And a lot of the foods that we were able to secure through Food Bank or City Harvest seem to cut almost 50%. Uh, it's not available. So unless I win lotto, and I win a couple of hundreds of millions of dollars, I can go out and buy food, but we can't do that as a small organization. We don't have, we operate a truncated budget to begin with. So what else can we do? I mean, I can't do nothing else about it. I have to either stretch the soup or take the pot off the stove and serve whatever I have left. And that's where we're at. Things are slowing down. If we go into another COVID-20, we're all going to be in trouble. Let's put it that way. 
And, you know, one of the reasons why I'm doing this interview is because there's like talks of a recession and things like that. And obviously food prices are super high since you guys have been around for so long. I mean, what was the, what was it like back in like 2008 and how might it compare to now? Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I started this organization in 2007 uh, while I worked for the city of New York. I just wanted to give back to people. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. At that time, a lot of people, you know, were looking for food pantries. Um, and all the way till this day, 30 years later, it's worse now than ever before. And not because of the pandemic. It's just like what we were just saying a moment ago. The food prices are, are outrageous. So you go shopping, you walk out with one bag of food, you're spending $140. And you wonder, like, how do you make it happen? So a lot of people are, they are depending on food pantries, food programs, just to get through that time of the exhaustion of maybe your, your SNAP benefits that you get, or if you're working poor, just by the time you finish paying off your bills, you might have enough to eat, <laughs> at least healthy. And again, it, I don't see it better. I do see it worse. I, again, I have a lot of people that come reluctantly. You know, they worked all their lives. They're living off of Social Security now. Some of them have a minimal pension and they still can't make ends meet. And to go to the stores and buy some stuff, you got a choice. You pay your electric bill or you're going to buy some decent food to eat. So I don't see things getting better. I'm not a preacher of doom but I am going to be practical based on my experience, what I see, what I hear, what I'm involved in. I don't see it better. I really don't see it better at all. So I just have to try to make sure what we do is better than what we used to do. Uh, and again, my only conscious effort would be make sure we're helping those who really need it as much as possible. So this way, at least we can be a good steward of what we're doing. And especially for those who support us, they, I want them to be proud of their investment in that we're doing the right thing to, uh, and appreciating their involvement and partnership with it too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I really don't know what tomorrow brings. Yeah, yeah. Without being emotional. When people have a hard time just to eat, it's sad. It really is. I mean... We take things for granted so much, but so many people really go through really hard times. And right now, people are still going through their struggling times. And I, again, I don't want to be a preacher of doom, but I really believe that, I don't know, uh, challenging times are yet to come. I hope many people can be strong enough to handle it because it's not going to be uh, an easy path for many, especially if your path was already broken down to begin with, it's going to be more of a challenge for a lot of people. I also spoke with Mary Holzman Tweed, a volunteer at the Astoria Food Pantry. She says recently they've had to make difficult choices when it comes to the quality of groceries they provide. In fact, their bags have been shrinking and demand only seems to rise. My name is Mary Holzman Tweed. I am a 21-year resident of Astoria. The Astoria Food Pantry got started out of the trunk of a car of our founder in the early days of the pandemic and has since moved around a little. And our current home is 2582 Steinway Street. 
That building also houses some of our sibling organizations, the Free Store and the Rolling Library and the People's Bodega. So do you know how it was during the peak of the pandemic? Honestly, I would say pretty similar. Demand only seems to rise for a lot of very clear, understandable reasons. There is definitely, I'd say, a cyclic nature to volunteer time and availability, as well as donations. Something I should be very specific about. We are entirely volunteer run, and we are funded entirely by donations. There is no city, state, or federal involvement whatsoever. We do no means testing We do not ask for any sort of documentation. We ask no questions whatsoever. And so everything is either bought by other people or donated by other people. Exactly. I think a lot of people have the assumption that now that the pandemic is kind of like slowing down and people are going back to work, the need is not really there. But why do you think it's still going up? Well, I think there is a pretty broad spectrum of reasons. I don't know if you've heard about the news that has come out of the New York City Rent Guidelines Board. Three and three quarter percent rise in rents for a one year lease and a five percent rise for a two year lease. That's extraordinary. And there's also the pandemic may be winding down, but the trauma of it certainly has not. We will be experiencing that for years. A lot of people are going back to work if they still have work to go back to. A lot of people may suddenly find themselves in a position where they can't work, either their job's no longer there, or they're caring for an ill family member, or they are themselves ill. And most of the city, state, and federal aid that came through during the pandemic has been ended without regard to the fact that something like this has extraordinarily long-lasting results. And the kinds of people that go and get the food, do you think they're mostly people that have no job or like just have a lot of family to maintain? Like, What kinds of people have you noticed go to the food pantry? I mean, basically, they're just our neighbors. So, I mean, I see everything from mothers with young children to the elderly to, I mean, we, we also on Saturdays, we have the pickup list. Some people can't make it to the Monday distribution because they're at work, but work is insufficient to the requirements of survival. So it's a very broad swath. It's One cannot assume they know a type that requires aid. Do you think the Astoria Food Pantry is, I guess, strong enough to continue serving the the people in need for like the next couple of years? I definitely think we'll still be here. As I said before, with like the volunteers that have discovered all of these amazing food rescues, we have a very engaged, active core of neighbors who simply want to make their community a thriving place. So we'll still be here, but I can, I mean, I can even feel it in myself, a certain frustration that we have to be here at all. The existence of food pantries is a policy failure on the part of all of every level of government, but it is getting harder. I mean, we don't just give out food. 
we also give out diapers, cleaning supplies, personal care products. Demand for diapers is a real struggle. It is absolutely heartbreaking. But we are, we are getting as creative as we can, trying to find as many fundraising opportunities while still maintaining our ability to not ask any questions. How do you think the start of food pantry would change if, if the country does actually go into a recession? I think we will continue as we have been as this year is winding on. Our bags have been shrinking. There's always going to be a pain point. Larger bags to serve less people better or smaller bags to serve more people a little worse. We have decided second. Basically, we will pinch and we will continue to try and get more creative, but we see it happening. I mean, we see the demand going up. We see pantries that were getting government aid. We see them shutting down. We see church pantries shutting down. I've heard word that from the Monday team that they've had people come as far away as the Bronx because we're, we're open, we're available. And their access is becoming more and more limited. How can people best support the food pantry? Money and fresh direct bags. <laughs> we go through those like you would not believe. Diapers also. But honestly, money. We have, I mean, we make our order for the base produce. We make those orders from produce distributors so we can buy in bulk. Our buying power, therefore, is much larger. We have one volunteer who specifically buys, makes huge Costco runs for diapers. But our biggest needs are generally money, diapers in larger sizes. The highest demand diapers are sizes four to six. Also, time. We're always looking for volunteers. There is always something to do. And it's a great way to make friends, to see more of the community, to get more involved. The more I find that I engage, the more fun things there are to do as well. It's not all work. So honestly, any way they want to get involved, they will find a welcome. As you heard, food pantries are in desperate need of your help. Some of the best ways you can get involved include making monetary donations, donating quality-of-life items such as soap, shampoo, diapers, and formula, donating food like cereal, oatmeal, tuna, cooking oil, cookies, coffee, and pasta, and of course, donating your time. For more details on how to get involved, please check out our show notes. You'll find links and contact information for a handful of food pantries and organizations that are in need of your support. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.